Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. We are recording this just before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And you will get to listen to it sometime after Thanksgiving. So for those of you who engage in this holiday of culinary excess, then you will, uh, you'll probably be stuffed a bit. You'll be kind of filled with food. Mm-hmm. So this podcast is for you to, to, to maybe help with your digestion, to maybe make you think, well, maybe I don't have it that bad after all. It could have been mm-hmm. worse. Or, or maybe you, you may end up thinking I could have had a little more help uh, eating that food than I actually had because you probably had to do most of the chewing and swallowing and, and manipulating of the food in your mouth all by your lonesome. That's right. So we're going to bring you a little topic today that's, uh, think of it as a palate cleanser or, as you say, an aid uh, in your next foray into culinary indulgence. We are talking specifically about a tongue-eating parasite. Yes. Cymothua exigua. Which we will now refer to as the isopod. Yes, the isopod. Uh, This is a fantastic creature. If you have not seen a picture of this, Go to the blog post that we're going to put out to go along with this episode. You'll see some photos or some links to some photos, some embedded video to, to reacquaint yourself with this parasite that essentially, spoiler, takes the place of a fish's tongue. It is actually one of those things that's like truth is stranger than fiction. It is. Because it's very hard to, I think, dream up this creature, but here it is. Yeah, and I don't, to my knowledge, no one had dreamed this one up before. Um, you know, we... Everyone loves a good parasite in a horror movie, stuff busting out of chests, living in people's blood. I mean, you, you name it, they've done it. Like, but this sounds like so, like the only th- thing in fiction that I can think of is it, it sounds like something that they would have made up for Invader Zim. Like it's that level of just twisted, but also like it's it's gross and dark, but also kind of silly in a way. Oh yes, yeah. it's very silly. Well, let's get into the the meat of it, as it were, <laughs> and, and the talk. Meat. Yeah, the tongue meat of it. Let's describe what this this isopod crustacean is. All right. Well, outside of its eventual home, inside of a fish's face, it's a one inch long isopod, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, like a crustacean. All right. Its kin, its closest kin that most of us, I think, will be familiar with is a little thing called a pill bug, or we always call them roly-polies. Yeah. Up. Those little little segmented, because they're, they're segmented, kind of like a little armored dudes, right? Uh, much like the roly-poly, the, the pill bug, that when you poke it with your finger, when you find it outside, it rolls up into a ball. Mm-hmm. So it's kin to that, and it looks a lot like that, except it's pale. One inch long, lives in the water, shell-covered, leggy, segmented, and on its underside, it has dozens of sharp, cruel-looking claws. Yeah, and it reminds me kind of like a cockroach, even though it's it's much more segmented. It's just opaque white and very leggy in appearance, as you say. It's it's mm-hmm. got the claws, particularly it's got two big claws sticking out, and you know it's got a pretty prominent um, face and eyes, which yeah. is very disturbing. Yeah, because it's not only that you peer inside a fish's mouth and you see a creature. Because you wouldn't necessarily register that it's a creature. You see like a white lump that looks kind of like a tongue, but it has eyes. And it's staring at you. And it's staring at you. (laughs) Uh, They can be found in the Gulf of California, south to north of the Gulf of Guayaquil in Ecuador. And it's also been found off the coast of California in New Jersey, as well as off the coast in the UK. So it's been kind of popping up in different places that people did not expect. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the podcast. But let's get down to the nitty gritty 
about how it does, what it does, how it actually takes over the tongue of the fish. Yeah, so it starts out, of course, on the outside of a fish. It's just swimming around. Just a little louse out there. Yeah, yeah. And it comes up to a snapper, all right? It goes in through the gills and into the creature's mouth, and then it uh, latches onto the tongue. So its first big feast, of course, is it's going to start drinking some tongue blood. Mm -hmm. It's nutritious. It's readily available. And there's not a lot of room, you know, in a mouth. Like, think of your own mouth. Like, just, it's kind of a horrifying thought, but, you know, just feel your tongue sitting there in your skull just all the time. You know? Like, don't move it. Just let it sit there. And it's kind of gross, you know, because it's just this lump that lives in your mouth. So the isopod is thinking, well, it's not really thinking, but if I can anthropomorphize it a little bit, it's like, it says, hey, this place is great. I just need to move this guy out. The tongue. If I can get this guy out of here, because the tongue is like the tongue's got a pretty good deal. It's just sitting here in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Food's passing by. If I get rid of the tongue, I can totally steal that job. I can do it just as well as this lump of tongue can do, and then I'll have access to food. And so it cozies up to the tongue artery. Mm-hmm. It begins to drain it until the tongue starts to wither away in atrophy. And that's when the fish decides that, or excuse me, not the fish, but the isopod decides that it's going to hang out and act as the tongue for the fish. And what I think is fascinating about this is that it does kind of start out as sort of like tiny sea lice. Yeah. And then, it, as you say, it does attach itself to the gills and um, it, it begins to develop. And then the female is the one that makes it its way to the tongue mm-hmm. and, and really takes up residence. And by that time, it is full grown. It is this creature living in the mouth of the fish. And we've talked about symbiotic uh, relationships in nature before. But this is one of those situations where you kind of have to wonder, you know, is this mutualism or is it truly parasitism? Yeah. Because the fish can still live. And we've talked before, I mean, even... Even in situations where we think something's a, a straight-up parasite situation or a straight-up mutualism fi- uh, situation, it's often not that cut and dry. It's There's a whole lot of gray area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even with, with something like this, which on the surface sounds pretty parasitic, like if something crawled into my mouth, ate my tongue, and replaced it, I'd be a little upset and, and, and a little insulted. But, um, but but you would probably say to yourself, an isopod tongue is better than no tongue at all, right? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> certainly, we'll get into this more, but I mean, certainly people can get used to a lot of weirdness with their bodies over time. Maybe, maybe this is one of those things. But I mean, for starters, a 2003 study found that fish with the parasites in their mouth, they did have lower blood counts than the mm-hmm. ones that still had tongues intact. So it's clear that they are drinking some blood in there. They are actively engaging in some blood drinking. But then the other thing is that, yes, they are eating food that comes through the mouth as well. Yeah, and they did even uh, say that when when the isopod is in there, that it will act as the tongue and actually kind of trap the prey mm-hmm. as a tongue would against the teeth and help out the fish oh, in that instance. It's totally making me rethink all the things my tongue does. You don't think of your tongue as a creature, but it kind of is. It's this, It's like the guardian that lives in your mouth and chases after bits of Twizzler. Twizzler? Yeah. Again, huh? You're yeah. still on the Twizzler kick? Well, it's just it's probably the tongue's greatest enemy, you know? There's a lot of war between that because the Twizzler latches onto the tooth and then the tongue goes in and battles it for like an hour. That and uh, those little gummy things, Any the really hard ones, the dots. I'm not familiar with them. Oh, well, they're, they're pretty rough. Well, okay, so if an isopod was actually replacing the human tongue, what sort of relationship do you think it would have with a toothbrush? Um, 
I guess it depends how much tongue brushing you do. You're supposed to do a certain amount of tongue brushing. Right. I don't think it would take kindly to that. I don't think it would either. I think it would be an adversary. All right. So uh, what I think is really fascinating about this, about this isopod taking the place of the tongue, is that this is the first known case of a parasite that actually replaces an organ. Yes. Of its host. So, I mean, it's phenomenal to see this. It's, it's, you know, spectacular looking. But the fact of the matter that it it is taking over an organ in the actual host is is pretty cool. Yeah, because... Like we said, it, it gets in there, and it's not just a situation where it says, I'm where the tongue is, now I'm going to eat all the food. I'm going to run this show. It actually behaves like a tongue. It actually helps pass food back uh, to the, the to its host. Like it's not it's not just going to want to kill its host. It's got a pretty good deal going, but it needs to make sure some food gets through for it to continue this strange existence. And then, like you said, the parasite is replacing an organ, and and you just don't see this anywhere else in the known animal world. Uh, it would be like if a, a parasite came up to you uh, and said, that's a pretty good eyeball you've got there. I can do just as well. Let me eat that eyeball and take its place. You know, it's like, it's that level of, of, of just, it's crazy. Like nature, again, nature is stranger and more twisted than anything we come up with uh, in our own horror uh, on the side. That's the truth right there, because it really is horrific looking. All right, so we had mentioned that this isopod has been popping up in unusual places, yeah. uh, like the coast of the UK, and scientists think that the reason for this is connected to overfishing. Yeah, like it's worth noting that we've known about this for a while. Like I blogged about it a few years back, and people have known of this creature for even even longer. Yeah, I think but it, 1983 is probably yes. around the first time someone was like, what is in that fish's mouth? Yes. So it's, it's, there's nothing new about it, but it is rare to find a live example of it, and we've certainly found more of them in recent years, which leads credence to this idea that we're actually seeing more instances of this parasite. There's more of it out there. And, and one possibility here is that it all comes down to overfishing. Carl Zimmerman did a piece on this for Discover Magazine. Of course, he's the author of the book Parasite Rex, so he's all about looking at what parasites are doing and how parasites are are changing and evolving. In particular, he was looking at a study that looked at one population off the coast of France where fish were living in a protected marine environment. And then they looked at another marine environment off the coast of Italy that is heavily fished. And in protected waters, the scientists found 30% of the fish had parasites in their mouth. In the fished waters, 47% did. So that's a, a 17% increase in the heavily fished areas. Well, you know what's crazy about that is that nearly half of the fish, half of the fish in those particular waters yeah. have this creature in their mouth. So, you know, what happens, of course, is that every once in a while, some of these show up in the grocery store. You know, you might get a mackerel. Yeah. You might be in Canada and get a mackerel and then realize that, you know, this creature is staring at you. And you just expect it to jump out and do the, the, the space balls dance on the table, you know? <laughs> Because it has that weird kind of cute little face, like it's, like it's it does. smiling at you. It does, and which it totally makes sense uh, about why the recent The Bay movie came out, which is centered around this isopod. Yeah, I meant to try and, and watch it, because it's available right now for like paid streaming on, on certain mm-hmm. websites. They're doing that now, where it's, something will be in the theater, and then it's almost instantly, or instantly available elsewhere. Um, to stream. But yeah, this this movie's like a found footage horror film where it's due to an ecological disaster, suddenly there are like isopod 
rewired zombies running wild and people are freaking out over it. Yeah, the idea is that these isopods mutate because they're exposed to a massive massive amount of steroid-rich chicken waste, which somehow makes them want to uh, taste human flesh. Yes. And then take over a human. So, of course, we take this idea and we try to figure out like the worst possible idea of what could happen. And that would be if you, Robert Land, opened your mouth right now and the little isopod was oh. talking to me. So, of course, this is bunk, though, right? This could never yes. happen. Right. This is a creature for fish and off fish. So the chances, I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's This is not, our bodies are not the habitat for this creature. But if it did... I think we should give a listen to what it might sound like if it were talking to us. Oh, yes. Hey there, kid. How you doing? I'm Simothia Exigua. Your new tongue. <laughs> yeah. Remember that fish sandwich you ate last night? I was in it. Yes, now that's hilarious. That's from a little uh, YouTube video, uh, which we'll also include on the blog entry that accompanies this episode. But it's the idea is a dude wakes up and he has the isopod living in his mouth and it's bossing him around. Which I think would happen, right? If they're going to do adult or to adults, to humans, yeah. human adults. But again, this is not something that could happen. And even if you were to eat a fish, a mackerel that mm-hmm. had this parasite in it, you yourself would not become sick. There's just really no health hazards uh, to it. It's just sort of disgusting to think about. But you know, we can't help but but think about it because. It is a, a stunning and grotesque example of how cruel and twisted, I mean, that's again, that's human terms, cruel and twisted nature really is. Like, it's kind of a wake-up call where we're like, whoa, this is not kittens and puppies here. This is a parasite eating a creature's tongue and then becoming its tongue. And the fish is, if not totally fine with it, the fish at least is like... Yeah, like you say, it's better than having no tongue at all. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I do think it's interesting how overfishing is certainly something that is helping along this creature. Yeah. Right? That more, um, the evolution of small fish is actually occurring. Uh, And then, of course, those small fish can't really defend themselves, and so they're being taken over by this isopod. Yeah. I mean, it's just another example of how you have uh, any kind of unbalancing of an ecological system and Mm -hmm. of of a natural habitat things are going to get out of whack. And when they get out of whack, that might mean monsters living inside the heads of bunches of fishes. Right. And then eventually humans just being taken over as well. (laughs) Yeah. So there you have it. (laughs) The parasite that wanted to become a tongue. Uh, Anyone out there who's seen the movie The Bay and wants to share their thoughts on the film with us, uh, we'd certainly love to hear about that. Uh, I'm I'm actually more interested in it now because I remember seeing some posters for it or like a trailer for it and i was like ah you know i'm not really looking for another found footage horror film right now and you know i wasn't all that interested but then i found out that barry levinson is the director of the film yeah yeah there was something on tree hugger about i think it was an interview with barry levinson and i think he said that he first approached this material because he was pitched um for as a documentary Oh. And overfishing and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, what happens when you disturb the ecosystem. And so I think that's kind of funny that he took. Now, he didn't just say, oh, this would make a great Hollywood movie. I think that his point was that people pay attention more to the the more fantastical elements of it. Yeah. And perhaps people would take home that message that this was really about an environmental concern as opposed to doing a documentary that some people wouldn't watch. Yeah, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Barry Levinson, this guy's mostly known for stuff like uh, High Anxiety, Rain Man. He's not really a horror guy. Um, no. 
But uh, but the, the reviews for it were actually pretty interesting. It seems like most reviews, and it's always hard with horror movies to tell to go by reviews because not all movie reviewers are really going to get the genre. And then sometimes it's easy to go into a horror movie with the wrong uh, expectations. But uh, the consensus seemed to be that it it was maybe not as scary as one might want uh, a horror film about tongue parasites to be. But it was very uh, it really sucked you in. It was very very interesting and thought-provoking. So there you go. I, I would be interested to hear. I have not seen it, but I would love to hear from people who have. Indeed. And if you want to reach out to us about that or anything else, parasites in general, other gross parasites that you've found that you think we should do an episode on, you can find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Tumblr. We are Stuff to Blow Your Mind on both of those. And if you head on over to Twitter, our Twitter handle is Blow the Mind. And also wanted to give a quick shout-out to our sister podcast, Pop Stuff. Make sure to give them a listen. They are a newer kid on the block, but uh, they are well worth your time. And, in fact, I think that you had mentioned before that they've done an outstanding uh, podcast on clowns yes. as well as myriad topics. Oh, yeah, they cover clowns. They cover Twilight vampires. I mean, it's a... They have a great collection of episodes to, to binge on, certainly as you travel around this holiday season with your bellies full of food and potentially your skull full of parasites. <laughs> so check them out. And uh, if you'd like to drop us a line, please do so at blowthemindatdiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry. It's ready. Are you?